has always changed as the only constant in this business. It's really tough to get to this point. It's a grind just to get to this point. And that makes the finality of it all kind of hit you like a ton of bricks. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Before we begin the show today, and a lot of great stuff to talk about, Packers, do a little Bucks, little Badgers, it's, it's going to be great. But before we start the show, can I, can I say something on a very serious note? Um, and this is not the least bit sarcastic whatsoever. I'm, I'm being genuine here. You know, 2021 has not been an easy year so far for us. When you think of it, we're at what, in the, the fourth week? Barely closing in on the first month? Think of all we've gone through. Of course, we're living in a pandemic. You know, the government has been, well, it's, it's interesting. Had a little bit of an insurrection just casually going on. Had an, uh, an inauguration, right? We had an impeachment. We have gone through everything. And I thought we were coming out the other side. But today, today was the worst day of 2021 so far. And it's not particularly close. I don't know if you saw, but they took down the Miller Park sign. They put up the American Family Field sign. I, I don't even know if I can do the show. I don't know this this music that's playing right now. This is too upbeat. Rest in peace to Miller Park. We'll show some respect to Miller Park on the show today. It's, it's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, and this show is going to be really fun. Yeah, Miller Park is dead. Rest in peace. May we remember her well. May we remember her by drinking cold beer and eating and, and drinking and sitting in the sun in a parking lot. Rest in peace to Miller Park. We're not going to talk much Brewers today. Well, we're not going to talk anything about the Brewers today unless some news breaks and they sign some great, awesome player. Okay, cool. Like they're rumored to be in on Justin Turner. If that happens, okay, we'll talk Brewers. But for the most part, we're going to talk Packers today. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers, a little bit on Matt LaFleur, a little bit on Mike Patton, a little dash of this, dash of that. Have a nice Packers show. We're also going to talk about the Bucks and the Badgers because today, folks, we need to recognize something. We are shifting gears this week as a community. We've been talking nonstop Packers every single day. We've been on the same schedule for, what, a couple of months now? But really, we've gotten hardcore into that schedule the last month or so as the Packers have gone on this run. And we were hoping for the uh, for the Super Bowl didn't quite work out. So as a community, as a group of friends for two hours every day, we, we're going we're gonna to pivot. We're, gonna, we're in, a, in a mode of transition. And we'll talk about that and, and, and talk about how this is going to start to become a basketball show. And we need to... We need to pivot. We need to move with the times. So we'll talk about that right before 5 o'clock. But let's do football. Let, let's do football first. And your opinion is welcome. Uh, it, nay, encouraged. 608-796-2558 on the talk and text line. You can also tweet at me, at Wisco Grant. So today, this morning, I was doing a little show prep. I was taking some notes, and I was trying to figure out what we were going to talk about tonight. And it, it is Wednesday, right, which is significant. Because especially during football season, this is the slow part of the week couple days removed from the games of the previous weekend. We're still a couple days away from the upcoming weekend, right? Especially right now, because there's so few games right now. There's only two teams left. There's no Monday night. There's no Thursday night football. We're just, we're just floating in nothing by the time Wednesday rolls around. And there was no Badger game last night, no Bucks game last night. So I was trying to figure out like, like what's the lead? What's the big story tonight? Well, what if, if this show was a newspaper, what would be plastered on the front page? What would the picture be? What would, what would the headline be? What, what, are, 
everybody tuning in at 4 o'clock. What are you tuning in to hear right away? Oh, I can't wait to hear this. I can't wait to discuss this. I couldn't figure it out. What's the story? Nothing's going on. Other than, I guess, you know, everything about Aaron Rodgers. What, what was the big story? And I couldn't find it. So I was scrolling Twitter endlessly today, just looking for something. What's the big story of the day? I was watching TV. I was listening to the radio. I couldn't find it. It's all Aaron Rodgers. Everything is Aaron Rodgers. Today, yesterday, tomorrow, now until the end of time. It's, it, everything is Aaron Rodgers. They're leading Sports Center with it. All eight of Mike Greenberg's programs across ESPN's various platforms throughout the day, they're all Aaron Rodgers. Mike Greenberg's doing like 16 hours of Aaron Rodgers a day. Stephen A. Smith in the morning on first take on, on SVP's show late. It's all Aaron Rodgers, all of it. It's, it's inevitable. It's like Thanos with the Infinity Stones. It's like, I am inevitable. Aaron Rodgers being in the news right now is inevitable. But we've talked about Aaron Rodgers so much already. I can't, I can't do that. Yeah, that's boring. That gets old. That gets stale. And we're not, the Wisco Sports Show is not stale. It's not boring. But then I realized something today. In my effort to find the big story of the day, I realized that the story isn't what everyone's talking about. It's what everyone isn't talking about yesterday and today. It's Rodgers this, Rodgers that, Aaron Rodgers is leaving, and Aaron Rodgers is done in Green Bay. You know what no one is talking about? How the Bills got stomped by the Chiefs on Sunday night. Did you know there was an AFC Championship game that was played on Sunday night? Maybe you heard. Maybe you read about it in the papers. Yeah, there's a a large game, the AFC Championship game for the Lamar Hunt Trophy. Yes, that game was played on Sunday night. Not that you would know. Not that you would know at all because nobody's talked about it. Nobody's talked about it. It's just, it's just, it just disappeared into the ether. It's just gone forever to never be discussed about again because we got to talk about Aaron. We got to talk about Aaron Rodgers and his feelings or whatever, what he's thinking about. Hey, the Chiefs won 38 to 24. Not the closest game in the world, a really impressive game for Kansas City. But you know what? No one's talking about. No one's talking about the Bills. It's like they never existed. Josh Allen was third in the MVP odds. He is today. I checked. He still is. Number three behind Rodgers and behind Mahomes. Josh Allen, number three. And he was he was garbage. He was very, very bad. 28 of 48, 287 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. And just, he's just addicted to taking sacks. He took four sacks, lost 53 yards. If Josh Allen's going down, he's going down with about 30 yards of field position as well. Like that man loves taking long sacks, just addicted to it. 48 attempts. For 287 yards. That's 5.9 yards per attempt. That's, no, that's not good. And for a player who's third in the MVP voting, he was a sweetheart in fantasy football this year. Everybody loved Josh Allen. We're just, okay, we're not going to talk about that. Cool. Let's instead talk about how Aaron Rodgers feels this week. What about Stephon Diggs? He was actually quieted down by Kansas City. Stephon Diggs, who alongside Devontae Adams had been the most unstoppable wide receiver for the last two months. Six catches, 77 yards, no touchdowns. And 34 of those 77 yards came on one catch. He just didn't do a whole lot. I'm not talking about that. Nobody's talking about Stefan Diggs or Josh Allen. Nobody's talking about Sean McDermott. Sean McDermott had probably, similarly to Matt LaFleur, one of his worst coaching performances of the year. He had it in the conference championship game, including making some really tough decisions when it came to field goals. Not going forward on the goal line, settling for three points instead of going for six. Not a winning strategy against the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you want to hear his his answer on Sunday night after the game? This is what Sean McDermott said when asked about kicking field goals. I found this on Twitter. Kevin King, or uh, Kevin King, oh my God, oh no. Kevin Cole of Pro Football Focus. We don't need to talk about Kevin King right now. This is the quote. 
I thought about going for it on both occasions. Maybe if I had to do it over again, I would have went for it uh, on both or maybe one of them. But the one before half, I wanted to get points. We're having trouble coming up with points, and I wanted to at least have something to show for it going into half, especially knowing that they were getting the ball. I'll look back at that, reevaluate that, especially the one after half there, and an entire team will learn from the experience. You have Sean McDermott, who is a great coach, very similar to Matt LaFleur, that just lost their touch with fourth down field goal decision-making this weekend. And he admitted that, well, I just I wanted to get something. I wanted to get three points. Wanted to feel better about ourselves. Nobody's talking about that. Nobody's talking about Sean McDermott or Josh Allen or Stephon Diggs. No, and it's not that I'm, I'm looking for people to slander these players, but man, it's like the Bills were wiped from existence. We're not going to break down what happened with the Bills and what Kansas City did well. Let's talk about Kansas City. Oh, okay, Grant, you're focusing on the negative. Okay, let's, let's focus on the positive, right? We're talking this week about how Aaron Rodgers feels. Why don't we talk about what the Chiefs are doing? It's amazing. And you might be fatigued by it. You might not want to hear about it after your Packers lost, but it is It's something to marvel at. Patrick Mahomes has now made his second Super Bowl before ever losing an NFL game by more than one score. That's insane. I looked it up. The last time he lost a game by more than one score was November 19th, 2016 versus Iowa State in the Big 12. He lost 66 to 10. Whew. Good for the Cyclones. I'm an Iowa State guy. This is an Iowa State program. Last time Patrick Mahomes lost a game by two scores. Is pushing, what, five or six years ago now? He's made his second Super Bowl before ever losing a game by more than seven, eight points. And you know what's nuts is he should be in his third Super Bowl if D4 just would have lined up on the right side of the line of scrimmage. Oh, who, who are they playing in that game? Oh, that's right. They were playing Tom Brady. Oh, that's convenient. Yes, I forgot about that. I want people to talk more about the greatness of Patrick Mahomes and exactly what's going on in Kansas City and less about the personal feelings of Aaron Rodgers. I want more people to talk about Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Are, are they the best wide receiver tight end combo ever? I don't know how one would research such things. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, and I'm banking on one of you listening right now that was alive at a certain time in 1992 or 1983 or whenever, and I'm, I'm hopefully you're sitting there right now. Well, Grant, you got to figure this wide receiver and this tight end. I, I don't know. I can't think of any. Has there ever been a better wide receiver tight end combo at least in this era, at least recently, I can't think of one. They are tremendous. They're so good. They're always open. And they do different things well. Travis Kelsey eats up the middle of the field. And Tyreek Hill gets open on the boundary like nobody's business. And he can get involved in the running game. But he's also so good at reading the ball on deep passes. Like, he's good at everything. And he's got, like, wheels for legs. He has literal wheels. You watch the game and Hill gets the ball. You're like, oh, man. He just moves differently than everybody else on the field. And Travis Kelsey runs routes and plays physically differently than anybody else in the league. I don't know if I've ever seen a better wide receiver tight end combo. Nobody's talking about that. We got to talk about Aaron Rodgers and whether or not him and Matt LaFleur have a good relationship and whether they're going to invite each other to to their birthday parties. This is so stupid. Kansas City might be missing three starters on the offensive line going into the Super Bowl. And I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters at all. Because in order to get pressure... Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you first have to cover Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, and there's nobody in the league who has proven capable of that. Nobody. And they played better defenses in Tampa Bay, too. It's just, this is lunacy. Something else nobody is talking about, because we got to worry about Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady was miserably bad on Sunday. Nobody's talking about, well, that's a bad example. Nobody has mentioned when Brady plays poorly in the last 10 years, so that's that's nothing new. Brady was bad. Rodgers is great. 
okay, so yeah, let's naturally spend this week ripping apart the legacy of Aaron Rodgers, even though it appears that media really, really needs Aaron Rodgers. Like every TV show, every radio show is leading this week with Aaron Rodgers. And is he staying in Green Bay? Despite him having three years left on his deal, despite him coming off an MVP season, despite him playing really, really well on Sunday, that's what we're going to make the story? I hope ESPN appreciates what they have in Aaron Rodgers because as much as everybody seems to despise Rodgers at Fox with Bayless and Cowherd and at ESPN, like, I, what are they going to do when he's gone? Are they going to have to actually talk about X's and O's? Are they going to have to talk about? Are they going to have to talk about football things and the games that actually happen? I haven't haven't talked about the AFC Championship game. Haven't even really talked about the NFC Championship game. Let's just talk about Aaron Rodgers and what's going on in that brain of his, and let's dissect every single word. Like we're listening to Jesus give a sermon on the mount. He's delivering us the beatitudes. That's that's the attention that we pay when Aaron Rodgers opens his mouth. It's like, well, did you hear? He said the word think. Why did he say think? He didn't say no. He said think. It's it's like there are scribes, and we're we're sitting at the top of the mountain, and Jesus is delivering the beatitudes. Blessed are the poor and the meek. Hey, I'm I'm a little bit behind. You can tell I don't know them off the top of my head. My bad. You get my point. Why are we doing this? It's nuts to me. I feel bad for Rodgers. What has this guy ever done? What has this guy ever done? I don't know what it, no other player in the NFL gets treatment like this. I don't really get it. It's fine. It's not like there's any other compelling stories that we could talk about in the world of football right now. Oh, yeah, I just mentioned six or seven. Those are all good. Aaron Rodgers must spike ratings big time. Big time. Big time. Shout out to our friend, by the way. I, I want to give a shout out to Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. Because in the presser on Sunday night, when Jason Wildey was sending off, you know, flares into the sky and creating drama, and Matt Schneidman is just going to town, creating narratives out of nothing, this is what Ryan Wood tweeted. And his tweet did very well. It has over 3,600 likes. And I'm glad that it does, because this is what he tweeted at 8 p.m. on Sunday night. To me, Aaron Rodgers sounded like a quarterback who knows his best chance at a Super Bowl was ripped away today. He knows the cap situation next year and that Packers will make tough calls that likely lessen the team. He knows time is short. Not sure I'd look any deeper than that. Just my two cents. Ryan. Ryan Wood, I love you. Green Bay Press Gazette. Ryan Wood. Welcome on this show anytime. Anytime, Ryan, I'd love to have you because I know you're listening right now. You listen every day. Intently to every word I say, just like we listen to, to Aaron Rodgers. Shout out to Ryan Wood, the, the one reporter that actually made a half-decent sense of this and didn't take it and run. I appreciate that. And we never take things and run on this program. Are you kidding me? We stick to the facts on the Wisco Sports Show. I want to talk about Matt LaFleur, something we haven't really talked about the last two days. We talked about the field goal decision and, and some other things that went wrong on Sunday, but Matt LaFleur is going to continue to be the Green Bay Packers head coach moving forward probably for a long time. And if the Packers want to win games and win at the highest level, he's got to fix a few things. Um... Specifically, he's got to—he's got to be a little more clutch. He's got to take a deep breath in these big games, and I'll explain what I'm talking about coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Any day now. Wisco Sports Show rolling on. My name is Grant Bills. Going to talk a lot of football tonight, but a little basketball as well. This is a, a period of transition. For us, we're kind of shifting to Bucks mode, shifting to Badgers mode, and I am pleased to report some breaking news. Uh, the Packers are parting ways with special teams coordinator Sean Menenga. Oh, Sean, we hardly knew you. So from Sean Slocum to Ron Zook, 
to Sean Menenga. The carousel of terrible special teams coordinators will no doubt continue. No announcement on Mike Patton, but Mike Patton's contract is up. So I don't know if they technically need to fire him. Not sure. I got a text on the uh, text line, 608-796-2558. Dan from Reedstown. Grant, I wish your lead was the Packers looking for a new defensive coordinator. Well, Dan, I'm glad you texted in because the Packers have not made an announcement on Mike Patton, but I have one of my favorite segments, one of my favorite takes that I've come up with in a while. It's about Mike Patton, and we're going to do that in about 15 minutes. So we are going to talk about Mike Patton uh, just in a few minutes. So appreciate you reaching out. Brett does the same. He says, Ryan Wood, heck yeah. Everyone take some notes. I, I agree. Ryan Wood is a pro's pro. And as I anointed him on Twitter yesterday, uh, not that I decide such things, I anointed him the realist member of the Packers beat. I really appreciated the way he handled Sunday night. Maybe given some space, given some respect, and cutting a little bit of slack to the star quarterback that just had his heart ripped out and is graciously uh, answering questions from the media. Maybe, just maybe. I, I, maybe I'm in the minority there. But that's how I would handle it. 608. 7962558 that's the talking text line we've ripped a lot of mike patton last few days we're going to do it more coming up in about 15 minutes um but Matt LaFleur isn't free on blame here either and i'm not even talking about the field goal by the way the reaction to the field goal has been it's just nuts some of these people are just insane right if you hate the decision that's fine if you think it's a miserable decision that could fracture a relationship between the head coach and the quarterback okay i'll i'll hear you out Make a good argument. Maybe I can see where you're coming from. But some people have just lost their mind. Stephen A. Smith went on a rant this morning, and I cut the sound just because I, I, I don't know I don't know where he's going by the end of this. He brings in analytics, and I just, Stephen A., I, I think you need a drink of water, buddy. We walked into this game. What were we thinking? We want to see Aaron Rodgers get Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. We'll see Aaron Rodgers get Tom Brady. Now, if, if, if a Steve Kerr or a John Paxson or somebody, Max, takes the, the, the winning jump shot, who gave him the ball? It was MJ. You make that call. You don't sit up. Even Phil Jackson knew better than to sit up there and have somebody else make the call other than Jordan. You give the man the ball and you say, take me to the promised land. But because of analytics... And all of these folks out there talking about probabilities and all of this other stuff about your chances of, 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 of converting a fourth and goal at the eight-yard line. God forbid that I give it to the man. Analytics has become the thanks, Obama. They're the same thing. Every analytic metric supported going for it there. There's not a single... Find me one analytics metric. That, that says that Matt LaFleur should have kicked that field goal, I will streak naked down 3rd Street in downtown La Crosse. There's not a single one. What do you mean? Analytics. Shut up. Shut up. Can I, can I just blame everything on analytics? I'm going to come in late tomorrow for work. Boss can say, hey, Grant, you're uh, late. What's going on? <laughs> analytics. Be like, oh, yeah, they're the worst. Nerds. <laughs> what? We just blame everything on analytics now? God, people are dumb. Analytics showed that going for it was the way better option. Matt LaFleur making the decision to kick it can be filed under the gut decision category, not the computer nerd category. But go off. Anyways, not talking about that, but thank you, Stephen A. I can sleep at night after that field goal. I don't love it. I don't agree with the choice, but I can I can sleep at night. There's bigger fish to fry when it comes to this NFC Championship game loss. It's something else that was done in this game that just kind of uh, just irks me just a little bit. As many things did about that game, as many things in that game that irked me. But... Something specifically that Matt LaFleur did irked me. He completely ignored the running game. This is something we noticed in the moment, 
Like during the game on Sunday, we're all like, oh, they went away from the run. But I, I don't know if we fully appreciate the extent to which they went away from the run. They finished this game with 16 carries. 16. And that might not seem ridiculous. I'd be like, okay, 16, 16, that's half of 30. It's more than a dozen, I guess. Yeah, that's a fine number. Like, no, 16, 16 is, is like half of what they normally do. They had 32 carries against the Rams a week ago. They had 31 carries against Tennessee. And in this stretch against the Bears and the Titans and the, the Rams in the postseason, this team was rolling. And something that happened the previous couple weeks didn't happen on Sunday the offense was complimenting the defense. They were playing complimentary football. They played the opposite of complimentary football. What's the opposite of complimentary? Do you mind if I do some? We have a couple minutes. Do you mind if I do some Googling? Complimentary antonym. Oh, come on. Spell check. Be nice to me. The Packers were playing the opposite of complimentary football. The opposite. What? What is the opposite of complimentary? Disparaging condemnatory, damnatory, denunciatory, reproachful, abusive. I don't even, I don't know what that, defamatory. There's not really a good word for it. Let's just say the opposite of complimentary football. How does that sound? That's the English lesson for the day. When the defense is getting stops, the offense couldn't score. Jair Alexander and Adrian Amos, they combined for three straight interceptions. The offense did nothing with it. That's not complimentary football. And complimentary football for the Packers stems from the running game. That's kind of the bread and butter. That's the foundation that helps set up their offense for success. But in a weird way, and I, I can't explain it, it also sets their defense up for success. For the defense and the offense of the Packers to work best in sync, you got to run the football. And the Packers did the opposite of that on Sunday. And I I don't understand how it happened. Because Matt LaFleur has so much experience in the last two years in big losses. And at the end of every single loss, look back, oh, I should have ran the football more. The Eagles, the Thursday night game last year, they let Aaron Rodgers get way away from things, even with an injured Devontae Adams. The Chargers game, they just completely went away from Aaron Jones. They went away from running the football. The Niners game, they got out of hand early, and they went away from running the football. The second Niners game, got out of hand early, went away from running the football. Matt LaFleur should know. He should know, because every loss that the Packers have suffered at his hands in the last two years, you can look and say, well, should have ran the football, should have ran the football, should have ran the, probably should have run the football. That's every Packers loss. Matt LaFleur, that should have been scrolling in his head like a banner in Times Square on Sunday. Every three seconds, he should have hit himself in the forehead and said, hey, got to make sure I'm remembering to run the football. Should have wrote himself a note, clipped it on the inside of his mask, or clipped it on his clipboard. Like, he, how, how did he look past this? The one issue that's common in all of their losses is they stopped running the football. And I get Aaron Jones was hurt, but they still have Jamal Williams, and they drafted A.J. Dillon for depth because they want to run the football and just in case Williams or Jones got hurt, which is exactly what happened, like, what went wrong that pushed them away from running the ball? They have Elton Jenkins and Corey Lindsley to run behind. Lindsley was incredible on Sunday. Mercedes Lewis, who probably played his last game as a Packer, they can run behind him. And their wide receivers, Lazard and MVS, who the Packers love. Most of football media doesn't love as much. The Packers love them because they can block. And they didn't utilize that at all on Sunday. That affected their offense, but it also affected their defense because the Packers play best complimentary football when the running game is working. That's the foundation. That's where it all starts. Matt LaFleur got away from it. It just, oh, it just deterred. How many of these games do the Packers have to lose before Matt LaFleur starts writing himself a note? Just hang it up in your office so you see it every day. Or sit down and write some lines. I will run the football. I will run the football. I will run the football. Although, starting next season, coming back, you know, maybe A.J. Dillon's the one running back they really like on the roster. So things are going to change, but... In the scheme of Sunday, run the football. 
run the football. How is that an oversight? It's been the theme in every loss the last two years. How did you get away from running the football? Oh, just another thing that's going to keep me up at night. I have an amazing Mike Pettin take. I am super amped to unveil it. I can't wait. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. show rolling on thanks for hanging out talking Packers the mood has gotten better as the week goes on we'll never forget but we're starting to forgive after the Packers broke our hearts losing in their fourth NFC championship game in seven years I don't want to talk about it my name is Grant Bills I am your host I am the ringleader of this two-hour circus every night and if you'd like to chime in you absolutely can 608-796-2558 you can also tweet at me, at Wisco Grant, if you'd like. A couple of texts coming in. We're just talking about how Matt LaFleur went away from the run. Their their carries basically were cut in half. Last couple of weeks, they were averaging about 30 carries. They had 16 on Sunday. Mark texts in and says, down 28 to 10, it becomes harder to stay with the run. Mark, I agree, I agree with you. It certainly does. But it's not like the Packers went into hurry-up mode here. It's not like they went into overdrive. They had a seven-minute drive to close out the third quarter, patiently, methodically making their way down the field, and they had plenty of time. The Packers weren't in a rush. It's not It's not like they, they, they were in a rush here. They just elected to not really run the ball. And their final touchdown drive, and I'm, and I'm pulling it up, and this computer's kind of slow, so bear with me. Their final touchdown drive, the seven-minute drive that I'm mentioning, 13 plays, 68 yards, seven minutes and 30 seconds, right? There are some running plays in here. A.J. Dillon with a five-yard carry. A.J. Dillon for a three-yard carry. Jamal Williams with a carry. Jamal Williams with a carry. They mixed in some carries on that seven-minute touchdown drive that brought it to a five-score game, or a five-point game, to end the third quarter. The Packers weren't in a rush. It's not like they, they you know, it wasn't wheels up, here we go, two-minute warning, scramble drill. That, that wasn't it. They just went away from it. They just went away from it. Brett Dan, Jordan, Mark, appreciate the text, 608-796-2558. Appreciate y'all reaching out. I've been mean to Mike Patton this week. I have been mean. And I try not to get personal, right? I'll rip on a coach for a bad decision, or I'll, you know, complain about a player that makes, you know, a bad choice, and one of my teams loses because of it. But I I don't know these people. I want to be personal. And I feel like at times, maybe this week, I've come dangerously close to getting personal with Mike Patton, saying that he's a pumpkin or that he's an idiot, or that he's stupid, or that he's a moron. I'm pretty sure I've used all those words. I mean, that play before halftime. Like, I lose patience when a coach blows it that bad. That Scotty Miller touchdown before halftime will haunt me for years. But like, when, when if I have kids one day, like, when they're three or four, I'm going to be like, you're not going to believe what a Packers defensive coordinator once did. Like, it's, 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 an, it's a fireable offense by itself. It would be like if I planned a great show the Wisco Sports Show, I prepped for two days, booked great guests, wrote some witty jokes and some good segments, and then I, I said the F word in the middle of the show, loud. It's like, okay, well, the rest of the show no longer matters because I just said a very inappropriate word over the air. It's like Nixon. Nixon was a pretty good president by all accounts. A lot of people talk about a lot of great things he did. 
He had Watergate. Sorry, you get impeached. That's how it works. You give up a 60-yard touchdown with six seconds left and no timeouts because you left your corner who's just eating grass play after play. You left him in man coverage on a burner. Get out of here. You're done. The rest of the game doesn't matter. The rest of the Wisco Sports Show wouldn't matter if I said the F word on live radio. It's a mistake you can't make. And Mike Pettin made it. Oh, yeah, by the way, a year ago, he gave up 285 rushing yards in another NFC Championship game. It's not like he has a great track record of showing up in the in the biggest moments. Mark Tauscher tweeted today. Mark Tauscher, the former Packer and Badger, he's taking the temperature of Packers fandom, saying, hey, we think Mike Pettin's going to be retained. He's getting a lot of traction. You know, some members of the Packers beat and Packers media, but also a lot of Packers fans chiming in, too. And I said yesterday, I don't I don't think it's a given. I don't, I don't know if it's a slam dunk firing because... Matt LaFleur did trust Mike Patton's defense over his MVP quarterback at the end of that game. Kind of be weird to turn around and fire him, right? Now, I think Matt LaFleur has always wanted to fire Mike Patton, and I, and I think he will. You noticed in his press conference, he basically threw him right under the bus and said, yeah, that, that touchdown before half, that can't happen. Yeah, it was uh, man coverage. Definitely not the, the right call for the situation. Um. And you can't you can't do stuff like that against a good football team and expect to win. So, I mean, really, when you look at it, there's there was a hundred and I don't know twenty some odd plays, both on both sides of the ball, plus all the special teams. There was a lot of plays in that game that could have been made that could could change the outcome of the game. But the ones that really hurt us the most were that play, yep. and then to come out the start of the second half. Um, you know, had the fumble, and they, they score. And the fumble was really bad, too. And Aaron Jones should be criticized for that. But it's not like Matt LaFleur looked at his play sheet and said, hey, we should run this play. Let's run the fumble play. Mike Pettin called a defense that left the door wide open for a touchdown. You can't do that. Coaches don't typically call out their coordinators in press conferences like that. That's a little bit of an outlier. And LaFleur even did it kind of politely, but still not really. He's like, no, you can't make mistakes like that. And you can't. It's a fireable offense. And yesterday, I think I finally figured out a way to articulate why Mike Pettin's defense irks me so much. On top of his situational ineptitude, which I first brought up in week one. Talked about that on Monday. I went back to week one Pulled the audio, pulled my show run down. I talked about this after the Vikings game. I was like, I don't think Mike Patton's very good situationally. He let Kirk Cousins march the field on him before halftime, and Kirk Cousins wanted to take a knee. They couldn't force the offense to eat clock in the second half when that was the only objective. I saw this in week one, and I'm like, I'm worried. Mike Patton ain't good situationally. And then in the biggest situation of the season, he steps all over his you-know-what. That we always knew. I've found out big picture what irks me about Mike Patton's defense. And I mentioned it yesterday, but I had some time to think about it. And now I'm really ready to explain myself. I've been looking forward to this all day. So please. Mike Patton has always tried to have the best bad defense possible. Does that make sense? Right? His goal has never been to have a good defense. His goal has always been to take a bad defense and make it as good as possible. Right? It's always, well, we're going to be a bend but don't break defense. We're going to be a defense that gets stops in the red zone. Why are we setting those goals? Why are we setting those why are we setting those goals? It'd be like for, for this show, if I was like, you know what? Uh, we're not going to be great, but I think if, you know, if we just put our heads together, I think the Wisco Sports Show can be okay. What kind of goal is that? That's what I hear when I hear bend but don't break. Or getting stops in the red zone. Like, hey, I'm, I'm not, on the Wisco Sports Show, I'm not going to book any good guests except for once a month. 
Once a month, I'll book a good guest, and that's it. It's just, well, who sets a goal like that? Who sets a goal to give up a ton of yards? Who sets a goal to, well, maybe we'll stop him in the red zone? Why? What kind of defensive coordinator instills confidence and inspiration by setting goals like that? Mike Pettin has great personnel. He's got three edge rushers, two high-priced free agents, and one top 15 pick. He's got Kenny Clark on the defensive line and some rotational pieces, right? Dean Lowry's not too bad. Snacks Harrison, Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki. He's got bodies. It's not like they're without bodies at that position. He's got two great safeties, including the most valuable safety in football by wins over replacement, by war. By that metric, Adrian Amos is the best safety in football this year. And Darnell Savage really came on, started creating turnovers and big hits. He's got Jair Alexander, who was the, the like, he, he, he wasn't even out there. Like, he just minimized half of the field. He just took it away. He surrendered minus three yards in that game against the Rams. He, he was tremendous, and he had two interceptions on Sunday. For a defense that has that personnel, I don't understand for the life of me why the bar is set so low. Why is the goal to be a bend-but-don't-break defense? How about you become a, a defense that doesn't bend at all? You have the personnel for it. Why are we focused on getting red zone stops? Let's get stops before midfield. That way we're not giving up six points. We're not giving up three points. We're not giving up points at all. It's better for field position, too. I don't understand why the bar is set so low. Mike Patton has always looked to have the best bad defense possible. And for a town that says title town, Super Bowls are all that matters, that why should a defensive coordinator ever have that mindset? Why should that ever be a way to build a defense? And on yesterday's show, I came up with the perfect analogy. Pizza. Everybody loves pizza. Right? You love pizza. Just pepperoni pizza, whether you like pineapple on pizza or not. And you like Jim Mac and Cheese pizza. There's a great place here in downtown La Crosse that has a delicious slice of pepperoni, uh, or excuse me, mac and cheese pizza. Right? Steak, steak pizza. Everybody loves pizza. And I have the perfect way to explain this through pizza. Let's say that Mike Petton's wife asked him to get a pizza for dinner. Hey, Mike. Uh, it's a busy day today. Uh, neither one of us has time to cook. Can you just pick up a pizza on your way home? Here's 20 bucks. Just grab something on your way home. So Mike Petton, after work, leaves Lambo, hops in his car. I don't know if he goes to the Kmart, if it's still there in Ashwaubenon or Festival Foods, drives around, goes into the store with his $20 bill, sent on a mission by his wife to get a pizza for dinner. Here's what Mike Petton would do. Mike Petton, with that $20, would go to the freezer aisle and buy a $2 frozen pizza. Aroma, uh, Jack's, something, a tombstone. A tombstone might be a little bit too expensive for Mike Patton. He, I'm talking dirt cheap. Two, three bucks. He goes to the freezer aisle, grabs a $2 pizza. Let's say Aroma, pepperoni pizza. Mike Patton sticks that in his basket. Then he goes to the, uh, canned, the canned vegetable aisle, and he grabs uh, a jar of banana peppers to go on the pizza, and a $2 can of pineapple, uh, a $2 can of mushrooms, to go on this on this $2 pizza. He, he goes to the, the dairy section and he buys a $4 bag of generic shredded cheese. He's not springing for it. He's not shredding his own. We're talking bummy shredded cheese here. And then he goes and buys a $4 bottle of ranch because anytime you're eating frozen pizza, you got to dip in ranch because it's just it's no good. So you, you need to have the ranch. So what Mike Patton ultimately does, and these are my calculations, he spends $17, $17 between the frozen pizza and all the toppings. He spends $17, great value. The thing is, even after all of that work, and even after he bought all those extra ingredients, he's going to end up with an average pizza at best because it's a $2 frozen pizza. He's ending up with the bend but don't break of pizzas, right? Now, what I would do if, let's say, my gorgeous wife in this scenario gives me $20 to buy a pizza. Here's what I would do. 
I would go to the store on my way home from work and I would buy a, a $15, $16 delicious fresh deli pizza from the, from the fridge case by the deli. Or even better yet, maybe I would stop by a local pizzeria and support a local business and get a fresh, delicious, locally made pizza to stimulate the economy. I would pick it up curbside as to not uh, prevent or as to prevent the spread of COVID. I would wear a mask and then I would bring it home to my beautiful wife and we would light some candles and we would get out the record player and listen to Cat Stevens and, and eat our delicious locally made pizza in the comfort of our dimmed living room. Meanwhile, Mike Petton's opening cans and he's opening jars and he's making a, a crummy $2 frozen pizza, but he's dressing it up all nice. It's the best possible version of a frozen pizza, which is still not very good because it's a frozen pizza. I've obviously thought about this scenario quite a bit. I think Cat Stevens and pizza, I think they go well together. I was looking for something folksy. Throw on the record player. My point, instead of trying to make the best version of a bad pizza, I would just buy a good pizza because that's what someone with common sense would do. Instead of dealing with Mike Pettin's crap, and his terrible situational coaching, and his obsession on how to coach the best version of a terrible defense, the Packers should move on. And by move on, just don't renew his contract because his contract is up anyways. And if Matt LaFleur retains him, then he deserves whatever dumb stuff happens to this team next year. Whatever random touchdown they surrender in a playoff game, or God forbid they have to face a a running quarterback again because that's not something Mike Pettin has had to deal with. Right, He gave up 285 yards rushing to the Niners two years ago. Let's have a rehash of the Kaepernick incident. Let's play Kyler Murray in the wild card round and watch him run for 180 yards. And if Matt LaFleur retains Mike Pettin, I would go to the bank tomorrow, pull out a large check of money, and I would go to Vegas and bet on something stupid happening in the next Packers playoff game because that's what Mike Pettin does. He's poor situationally, and his idea of how to build a defense with the personnel that he has is just ludicrous, and it is comparable to, to getting 20 bucks from your gorgeous wife to bring home a pizza and spending it on a $2 Roma with freezer burn. God. God. Let's take a break. I want to talk about basketball coming up next. This is an important day, important week for the show. As we transition, we're, we're no longer a football show first. We're a Badgers Bucks show, or at least we're going to be before too long. Let's stare that kind of deflating reality in the face when we come back next year on the Wisco Sports Show. show rolling on talking little Packers talking about Mike Patton of course Packers by the way if you're just joining us and you haven't been paying attention maybe you've been staying off social media and you're a better person for it uh the Packers have let go of their special teams coordinator Sean Menenga just I, I was looking at some of their special teams metrics <laughs> over the commercial break they're just last or close to last in absolutely everything they're 29th or worst in everything. Great. Okay. Bring in the next one. 608-796-2558. Couple of texts coming in. I appreciate you all. Coach Wunsch says, by your example, you should fire Lafleur for his stupid field goal call. I mean, I've said a couple of times the last few days, I, I don't love the field goal call. I get it. Neither choice is great. Going for it fourth and eight from the eight yard line isn't a great choice. Kicking a field goal isn't a great choice. I understand why he did it. I would have preferred to make a bet on my MVP quarterback and not my defense, but... I that decision at the end of the game is not comparable at all to the lunacy at the end of the first half with Mike Pettin for whatever reason dialing up a man coverage. Mike Pettin's middle name is soft zone coverage. 
And the one play of the entire season that called for soft zone coverage, he's like, hey, let's be aggressive. No, Mike. But no, bad, bad. You're going to get fired because of it. Well, you're just not going to be brought back because his contract is up. I don't, I don't yell for people to be fired a lot. I've been doing this show since the fall of 2018. I don't, I don't, I don't think I've ever really called for it. I've complained a lot about Coach Bud, but even even when McCarthy was fired, like I was never this angry. Like that game made me angry. Those mistakes that Mike Patton made made me angry. It's just that that that's the stuff that costs you in the games where you can't make those mistakes. He seems to make those mistakes. I do want to talk about basketball for a couple of minutes before we move on because. We are transitioning this week. This is a week of change. Pretty soon it's going to be all Badgers, Bucks, smidge of Brewers before too long as well. We're moving on. And I thought of a, I thought of Seinfeld today because I am shifting into basketball mode today. Similarly to the way George shifted into soup mode. Right, shh, I got to focus. I'm shifting into soup mode. Shifting into soup mode. Today we are shifting into basketball mode. Or at least we're, we're starting. We're, we're probably going to talk a lot of Packers this week. But we are going to talk a little bit more about basketball as the show goes on, so we need to get need to get dialed in. And I'm looking at the Bucks. The Bucks play tonight, as do the Badgers. Unless I have it incorrectly off the top of my head. I do a lot of the sports scheduling for our station, so I'm doing it two or three days in advance, and it's easy for me to get lost and forget what's going on uh what day. So the Badgers play Maryland tonight and then upcoming this weekend on Saturday. They have a game at Penn State. That's that's just a classic Big Ten matchup. You know that game's gonna be good. It's a two PM afternoon game on a Sunday. That game's gonna rock. So this week for the Badgers, we have tonight at 8 p.m. and we have Saturday at 2 p.m. We're looking for the Bucks. They play the Raptors tonight. We'll have to do it. We get the two TV thing going, or how are we gonna how are we gonna tackle this? Are we prioritizing one or the other? Are we gonna switch back and forth on commercials? Like something something we're gonna have to talk about. That's assuming that you can even watch the Bucks. I've really had a whale of a time to watch the Bucks because, well, Fox Sports Wisconsin is just allergic to letting people watch. You just prefer to have no fans and no following with the Bucks as they're off a lot of platforms. So I don't know. We'll figure out a way to watch the Bucks tonight, legally or illegally. <laughs> as Lupe Fiasco said, this is a rapper, if you don't know who that is. So Badgers next couple of days, Bucks this weekend. I haven't really I haven't really got fired up about the Bucks yet. And like I want to. Like I want to get angry and I want to be excited and I want to feel energy about the Bucks, but I just like, I've just been rather lukewarm on them. You know what I mean? I think that's a fair assessment. I haven't been angry. I haven't been ecstatic. I've just, I've been kind of lukewarm on the Bucks, And I'm waiting for a signature win. Just give me a jolt and wake me up. Like, my Bucks fandom is a COVID patient. Or not a COVID patient, a coma patient. And I'm just sleeping in the bed. And I need the Bucks to, like, beat someone really good. Like, we need a win over the Lakers or over the Celtics or over the Nets and just just jolt me up and I'm ready to go. Like, that's all it takes. I just need one signature win to get me fully into Bucks mode. And this wasn't an issue with the Packers because the Packers got their signature win in week three against the Saints. If you remember, I came on the next day and said, that's it. That's a, that's a win. That's a big boy win. That one you put in capital letters, going to the Superdome and beating the Saints. That is a big boy win. I don't think the Bucs have had a big boy win yet. They lost to Boston, albeit on a bank shop buzzer beater. They beat the Heat, I guess, by like 90 points. I kind of forgot about that. But since then, they've beat the Bulls and the Pistons, lost to the Jazz. Beat the Cavs, beat the Magic, beat the Pistons, beat the Mavericks. I guess I kind of forgot about that one. They took Luka and the Mavericks to the wire. That's a pretty big win. They lost to the Nets by two. And they lost to the Lakers by six. 
That's where we stand. Right? The game against Washington was postponed. They beat up on the Nets on Sunday. Not that anyone was watching because we were all crying alone in our bedrooms about the Packers. Coming up on the schedule, I, I guess if I'm looking for a signature win, it's gonna be it's gonna be a while. They played Toronto tonight, but then it's New Orleans, Charlotte, Portland. I guess Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. That's that's a worthwhile matchup, as is the Pacers. So February first and third, we're gonna have to circle those days on the calendar. I want a signature win. I need a, a, a Bucks win that's going to slap me in the face, like in a good way. Be like, hey, Grant, you listen here. It's Bucks season. You get into it already, right? Got it? That's that's what I need. And the, the Mavericks win was was awesome. I forgot about that one, and I apologize. That was great. Chris Middleton had some big buckets down the stretch, but that was in the throes of, of this Packers playoff run, so that kind of gets you know tucked under the rug a little bit. Just looking for a signature win before too long that can fully kick me into... Kick me into Bucks mode. Uh, shh, I gotta focus. I'm shifting into soup mode. Shifting into soup mode. Same kind of thing. Same kind of thing. Talk a little bit more basketball towards the end of the show. Up closer to 6 o'clock. Coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, we're gonna hear a little bit from Corey Lindsley. Is You figure that he's probably done as a Green Bay Packer. We'll hear from him a little bit. It's Slow News Wednesday. We got a two for today. Two Packers articles that came out this weekend. One from Matt Schneidman of The Athletic, and another from Bob Domofsky, Rob Domofsky of ESPN. So those are our two uh, stars of Slow News Wednesday today. We'll break those down. Some ludicrous things being said in both. They're writers. They have earned their platform, and they're professionals. They can do what they want. We just can also do what we want and say that they're insane for suggesting that Aaron Rodgers is leaving Green Bay this offseason. Let's take a break, collect ourselves, switch back into football mode, and the Wisco Sports Show will continue coming up after this.